Welcome to the Players First Podcast, where we look to showcase the stories, journeys, and development of former and current professional basketball players and their continual growth in knowing who they really are. Today's guest is a former Florida and Rutgers standout and one of Mount Vernon's finest, Jonathan Mitchell. We talked to him today about how the film doesn't lie, so get extra work to prioritize your academics and to value your priorities. And above all, man, don't burn bridges. I hope you enjoy this podcast and look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Jonathan. Mike, thanks for having me on, man. It's a pleasure and honor to be on your podcast with you tonight. I appreciate it, man. I know there's a there's a ton of things to get done around the house, like put the baby to sleep, spend time with the wifey. I get all that. And so I do appreciate you coming on and sharing some time with us and giving us your time tonight, man. No question, man. I'm, I'm excited to be on here to share my story and um, my journey. Awesome, man. Let's get to it. Uh, how were you introduced to the game of basketball? I was introduced to the game of basketball when I was about seven years old when I moved next to YMCA. Um, my, mom got, my mom got me a membership. You know, being being in Mount Vernon, New York, to get me out the streets, to keep me out of trouble, yeah. and so she knew where I was at all times. So um, it was one of those things, man. Is walked in there and saw all the kids playing, and I just fell in love with the game of basketball. That's awesome, man. I mean, I think a lot of us can go back to the days of spending time at the Wire, the Boys and Girls Club, and how memorable that was, uh, given the fact that you know I don't see that a lot nowadays because everybody's claiming to be at a gym, working out, getting shots up, as they say, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that wasn't it for us. We weren't there trying to get shots up. We were just there trying to, like, have fun, be with our friends, stay busy. In our parents' mind, that was, like, stay busy in a safe environment. And so, uh, yeah, man, I, 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 my recollection of all that as well as a young man growing up, uh, I, I feel that now. I would ask you, like growing up there in Mount Vernon, which is, you know, around around this country, everybody knows Mount Vernon because of all the, the real players that come out of there. And you're, right. and you're one of them as well. And so to really be kind of uh, at the level that you wanted to be and that you were at, who were some of your, your greatest influences? Um, some of my greatest influences, one was a guy named Donald Pritchard. He probably won't even remember remember me to an extent. He's actually in the um, Air Force now. Okay. Um, but he, he grew up in the Y. He was a little bit older than I was. And I used to always see him in the gym, always see him shooting balls, playing pickup, um, just the way he carried himself. And I wanted to be him, you know. Um, I looked up to him. He was my idol. And one day I just, you know, straight up asked him, can you teach me how to play? Yeah. And he, he took it upon himself just to wake up at 5 30 every morning and meet me outside in the court and um he was huge in my basketball progression early on and it's someone i will always look up to just to this day we still connect through facebook um another person that's a huge influence in my life is my grandmother um she helped she helped raise me she um she instilled all those core values in me at, at a young age grew up in the church yeah. grew up on the choir, grew up in Usher. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> so she told me all of those life qualities and, and how to be humble and carry myself. 
And my last, the last person I would say that influenced me was my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Burnside. I haven't spoke to him, you know, since fifth grade, but he really showed me, showed me how to care about other people. Um, he, he took me under his wing. He, he saw that basketball was important to me, and he just had to show me that education is just important. So um, once he, once he, once he took me under his wing, I became a better student. And I think it translated to, to the court. Fantastic. Wow, that's, that's big time right there. Fifth grade, man. I mean, like, <laughs> you, you think about formative years, you don't think till a little bit down the road. But, you know, as a father, I think about I want every grade level for my kids to be formative and for them to learn and for them to have kind of these uh, these moments like the one you, you're talking about. Like, yep. I want I want young people and kids to have those moments where, if I'm working with them and somebody that cares about them is working with them, they can have that kind of impact. And so that's great. It's really, really good, man, to hear that, that, that you had, you know, people in your life, you know, Coach Pritchard, mm-hmm. uh, your grandmother, you know, like you talk, you talk, you talk about being raised in the church, man. There's something that this scripture talks about, teach them the way they should go and they'll never turn from it. And, exactly. And I think that's always kind of the foundation of our lives. Even if we go off track there a little bit, and uh, kind of go explore on our own and aren't living kind of that right, holy, upright lifestyle, uh, mm-hmm. we always come back. We really do. For sure. Because we know there's that still small voice telling us, nope, don't do that. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's funny you say that. There's a great quote from um, Coach Donovan, Bill Donovan. He used to always tell us at Florida, humble yourself or life will humble you. For sure. For sure. And, um, and, and I think that applies to what you just said. Yeah. What you just shared. Yeah, no, I hear people talking about it. I, I want, I want God to humble me. Like, no, you don't. Humble, <laughs> humble yourself, and like Coach Donovan said so eloquently, like, humble yourself, or life will. So yeah, that's that's great advice. I think everybody out yeah. there listening can can apply that to their life. Now, I'll ask you, uh, how is you know? I know you're a high level high school player, college player, all that. But what was your experience like? as a high school player, like what, what was your experience? Like through your eyes, was it fun? How, how, how did you experience it? Um, it was fun. <clears throat> you know, my brother is only four square miles. Yeah. So, you know, everyone knows each other, you know, you will homegrown and just the tradition, Mount Vernon basketball, yeah. you know, we got the, we got the McCray brothers. We got Earl Tatum. We got Gus Williams. We have, uh, uh, Lowe's Moore. Obviously, Ben Gordon. Yeah. So I can go on and on. And the guys that came after me, you know. So just to, just to be a part of such a historic program, a storied program, it meant everything to me. And you put on that Mount Vernon jersey knowing that you're representing you, your family, and the people that came before you. So yeah. it's all about leaving a legacy in Mount Vernon. And, you know, we, we always brag about who has the most state championship rings and <laughs> who, has, who has the most pictures up on the wall. Yeah. You know, at our high school, you win the state championship. You get your, you get to put on a tuxedo, and get your, get a big blown up picture on the wall. Nice. So that was always cool. Nice. You talk about Rodney McCray, man. Hey, that guy could play. Like he's a friend of mine now. He lives down here in in, in Texas, and awesome. And I've coached against him a couple, you know, a couple seven eight times, and mm-hmm. you know, just a solid guy, really solid guy, good people, man. Like, you know, you you think about some of those. Uh, that upbringing you're talking about. And I think you said four square miles, man. Like 
I think <laughs> pretty much, I'm pretty sure almost everybody's story is almost the same in that regard. It's like the, everybody goes through a struggle in their community. Everybody goes through some kind of uh, learning experiences, and it, but it produces good people as well. And I think that's uh, what you're talking about. So that's cool, man. Ben Gordon as well. I, I'm glad you referenced him because mm -hmm. uh, in high school, man, you broke his scoring record at Mount Vernon. How did that feel, man, like to, to, to break that record? It was awesome. You know, Ben was a person I idolized growing up. You know, he was, you know, three, four years older than I was. So I grew up going to all the high school games. I grew up just watching him work out at 6 in the morning. Just yeah. to talk to him, you know, he, he was my he was my local celebrity. <laughs> you know, I inspired to be Ben. And then uh, when he went to UConn, it was awesome because um, our head coach Bob Semino would always take us up there to Connecticut, or when they played at the Garden or at Rutgers or at Seton Hall, just so we can watch him, just so we can see, you know, a day in life as a college player. Yeah, you know, so it, it was it meant everything to pass this scoring record and. Um, I'm proud to say to this day, no one has surpassed me. So I still yeah. all the time we score. I'm ready. There you go. That's saying a lot, man. I mean, because well, what's New York known for, man? Guys who can fill it up. Yes. Guys, I mean, they ain't known for their defense so much as they are for <laughs> filling up that bucket, man. And I think that says a lot about, you know, being able to break a record of, of a guy like Ben Gordon. Because I think people sleep on him right now. Like, they don't, mm -hmm. they don't remember him because – he he wasn't on every other, you know, social media clip. But right. uh man, you go back and watch Ben Gordon, man, he could fill it up not only in college but also in the pros. So yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. The infamous the infamous Boston Celtics series, man, yeah. which he kinda of, he kinda of took over. Yeah. You know, people got people got to see a small glimpse of how good he actually is and the much just the work he puts into his game is incredible. I've never seen someone work so hard. And um, to put everything into the game of basketball, like he did. Yeah, you you buy in, you sell out, however you want to put it. Uh, you know, the game that you say you love, uh, you got to really treat it like you love it. You can't just talk mm -hmm. about it. You got to do it, and it takes those uh, early mornings, late nights. Uh, you know, quality reps. You know, yeah, quality, quantity, however you want to look at it. Like just getting out there and getting to it. So yeah, that's how you get better. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get better by just dreaming it or watching YouTube highlights. Like you got to get out there and do it. So, no. I, yeah. So, John, I, I want to ask you, man. Like, because at that point, when you're in high school and everybody's on you and you're getting all the love and you know people are trying to tell you this and that, being in your ear constantly, you know, whoever it is, females or you know, or guys trying to like get you in trouble, whatever. How important, mm -hmm. how important was it to kind of keep your circle small when it came to, like, outside influences? How important was that? Man, it's funny you say that. And um, now i got time to, to think about it. You know, honestly, I come from a small family. So being, you know, being a tight-knit person just came naturally. Um, there's less distractions that way. And I like being around like-minded people. You know, yeah. I was always around my high school teammates. I was always around my grandmother, I was with my mother. So it just kind of came natural to me. And um, that's just how, that is how I just try to live today. Just trying to stay um, tight knit. You know, I'm, I'm a very closed off introvert in a way. So I think those are one of the things I'm working on now, being a coach, coming out of my comfort zone. Yeah. You stay tight with those who helped you to get where you're at, you know? Yes. Uh, I think that's really important for, 
anybody who's listening to understand that, like, the outside influence. When I say outside influence, I mean people who aren't, who aren't part of your circle. Mm-hmm. And yet they've got, you gave them a seat at the table. And now they can say things and you move. That's that's not a place you want to be. You know, not at all. It, it takes time to, to get in that circle. And I think that's what all young players need to recognize, even college players who have potential to go pro. It's mm-hmm. like, man, be careful who's in your circle. Uh, you don't want to just let anybody in because they say, you know, they whisper sweet and un- nothing's in your ear. Nothing. You know, yeah. They talk, oh, you're going to, oh, man, you're going to, lottery, man, lottery. And reality is you, you just need to go to the summer league and see if you can get on, you know, or whatever. You know what I mean? Or go, yeah. or go mm-hmm. overseas. Whatever the case yeah. may be, you need to make sure you have people who are going to tell you the truth. Everything's yeah. got to be built on truth. And then after that, they can, uh, they, yeah, they can they can sweeten you up a little bit if they want, but. <laughs> you know where it's all coming from. So, like, coming out of high school, man, with all the potential that you had and, mm-hmm. and getting, you know, sitting on some offers and, you know, you take your offer to Florida uh, and then as a freshman, going through and experiencing what you experienced, what was that like, you know, going through that championship run? Yeah, you know, Mike, you know, coming into my freshman year in Florida, we had high expectations. You know, when I signed, when I signed going into my senior year, Coach Donovan in my living room told me, Jay Mitch, I think we'll be good your senior year this year, but next year, your freshman year, we'll have a chance to win it. And then what did they do? They ended up winning it in 06. So, of course, that changes things because, you know, now you're going going to a program that just won a national championship, won, and then you find out they're all coming back. Wow. So, it was a, it was an unforgettable opportunity and experience. Um, I was with great people um, of that caliber. And listening and learning from those guys each and every day was awesome. You know, I was with some of the best coaches in the country at that time. And Coach Donovan, Larry Shiat, Donnie Jones, which is my boss now, and um, Louis Preston, who I was the assistant. Yeah. So from that standpoint, man, just to be around, those guys every day just to learn just to just to just to try to get to that point again that pinnacle of winning the championship was everything and being with great guys you know the old four boys that they called themselves Joe Kim Noah Al Orford Torian Green um it was I couldn't ask I couldn't ask to be with a better group of guys better upperclassmen they taught us the ropes they taught us how to be college you know college professionals because that's how they that's how they operated to be honest you know them coming back that junior year they were already pros yeah and they didn't want anything or anyone on that team to distract them from our ultimate goal and we were fortunate enough to do it again so it was a it was a great experience man yeah no man you're talking about something that just it never it rarely to never happens and, yeah. and to be a part of that and then not only that those, all those dudes got drafted, and that was that's that, you know that's nothing to, to just sniff at. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a big deal, man. Because with the success comes the success. To the right. to the victory go the spoils. Meaning you win a championship, and you had any part of that, league me. You know what I mean? Like at that point, exactly. <laughs> you, you can have that mindset. So that's 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 super. That's awesome, man. Because you're talking about good coaching, good players, uh, kind of a recipe for. You know everything great to happen now, and you know, and you know what? Just to just to harp back on that, and, okay. and to be around great great people. 
Yeah. You know, it was a joy going to practice every day to compete with those guys and uh, just to learn from those coaches because at the end of the day, you knew they had your best interest at heart. Yeah. And they wanted and they wanted you to be the best person you could be each and every day. That's great. That's great. And then people believing in you means everything. Yeah. I saw a post today by Gannon Baker, who's a really good friend, and he's talking about just believe in people, just believe in the players you're working with. Just show them that you believe in what their goals are and, you know, in, inject some of that confidence that they may be needing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great environment to be in. Now, I want to ask you because there are some ups and downs in our experiences in life, and I'm sure there was when you were in college. So what were some of the struggles you had in college and how would you overcome them? Some of the struggles that I had to face with daily was, you know, from a basketball standpoint, just coming to college, the game is different. Yeah. You know, the speed of the game is different. You know, you're with high-level athletes. You were competitors. The competition. Um, finding my role. You know, like I, like I previously said, they just won a national championship. Yeah. And I'm just coming off of being, you know, New York State Player of the Year, state champion, um, all the accolades. Yeah. Now, how do, I, how do I find that that new ground and overcoming those things? So I was big on film study. Um, just trying to just trying to see the game at a different different eye. Maybe it'll slow down for me a little bit. Maybe I can pick up something that maybe I didn't see on the floor going back on film because I think film is one of your best teachers. Yeah, going going back just to, to learn and see and see what the see the things you did well and to see the things you can improve in. Um, extra work. I was huge on coming in before after practice, trying to find that balance to, you know, get up extra shots or just figure out how can I help and serve these guys in the lasting confidence. You know, the confidence is down. <laughs> like I said, I was the pros, man. So each and every day, the second team, we were getting whooped on, man. It took <laughs> us like three it took us like three or four months to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then we finally, you know, broke that threshold with our confidence level and it was like the floodgates were open, man. You know, we're we're, we're shooting basketball. We're making plays. We're talking a little trash. So you need to see the, the the maturity aspect of it coming coming, and um, that was a great and that was one great experience. And um, another thing I struggled with the academics. You know, coming from high school, now now it's time management. Yeah. Now you have study hall. You have tutors. So it was all new and foreign to me, man. And I struggled. You know, to be honest. Because I also wanted to have a social life, yeah. And, you know, so it was finding that balance, and I guess the best way to overcome that was ask questions and ask for help. Wow, you know, <laughs> never be afraid to ask someone for help, man, because you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I would ask the upperclassmen, man, man, how, how how are you doing all of this? You know, what are you doing in your spare time? How are you prioritizing your academics? You know, how are you getting in the gym extra? And then just figure it out, man. Hey, sometimes you got to sacrifice going to bed early, staying up late, you know, just trying to do anything you can to, to get an edge and an advantage and something that will help you and help your team. Yeah, for sure. Now, now you're saying some things that I'm really interested in, like to the degree that you talked about watching film as a college player. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how many college players gravitate towards that, but they should. Like, if there's any listening, like, go watch film because what do they say? Film doesn't lie. 
Uh-huh. Yep. You know, men lie, women lie, parti- mm-hmm. politicians lie. We all know that. But the film, mm-hmm. the film does it. And so I think that's, uh, that's a great point of emphasis, man, getting extra work too. Like all those things you said, asking for help. Like those are all points of emphasis that I really want to harp on because uh, too many of us have too much pride at times. And mm-hmm. we think we're going to succeed or fail on our own. Uh, I'd rather succeed with somebody else's help than fail on my own. I just how That's just how I view it, and I think everybody listening would want to take yeah. that approach, learn from other people's mistakes, save years for another day. Uh, and I think that's just kind of the right mindset now. You talked about academics. How important was your education within that process? It was huge, Mike. Um, you know, growing up in the inner city, you know, college wasn't, college wasn't a normal language to us. You know, so I knew I had to learn this from Ben Gordon, actually. I knew I had to use basketball as a tool, right? Yeah. So I had to use basketball as a tool to get a free education because at the end of the day, that's something no one can take away from me. Yeah. yeah. And um, and my uncle was a huge part of that because he was in my life heavily. And um, he used to always, he didn't care about basketball, you know, as, as, far, as, as far as, yep, I know it's going to get you to you where you think you're gonna go, but if you don't have this education, you go out and blow out your knee, you know, your ankle. Now what? All of those, all, all of those coaches, all of those games you can play, they don't mean anything anymore. So, what are you gonna have to fall back on? So, I think that's the heart, honestly. And you know, it, it was one of those things to where something so small as my high school coach. You know, I played varsity as an eighth grader. Wow. And. um in New York, I was I was the first kid in my learning to ever to ever play varsity as an eighth grader, and I wasn't I wasn't the best student, you know, to be honest about it. And um, something so small as what does everyone what does every kid in America love Jordans? Yeah, <laughs> my high school my high school <laughs> so my school coach made a deal with me from eighth grade to the time I graduated. Every marking period that I passed the class, every class, he'll buy me a new state Jordans. There you go, man. <laughs> Yeah, so you talk about motivation and determination. Now, <laughs> no now doubt. I'm now I'm now I'm sitting at the front of the class. I'm taking notes. I'm studying. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to figure, <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out because I knew these pair of Jordans were coming out. That man, if I can get them, yeah. you know, you, you know how each you know how every uh, young 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 kid is today. They love you know they love to be fly. They love to be yeah. fresh. Yeah. So that was just one thing. You know, a little incentive, that little spark I needed to take academics seriously and I was successful at it you know uh, I, I graduated you know top 100 of my class which was huge you know I had like 900 seniors yeah wow and yeah and um, you know a couple of honors classes so I was I was proud of those little things you know something so small to someone else was huge to me and my family so academics was, was a huge part fantastic. was a huge part to my success fantastic now were you rocking Jays on graduation night like when you walk the stage, I mean, you had to, man. I mean, you got that. If you went and collected that many pairs of kicks, I mean, you had you had to stun on people. You know what? That's a, you know what? Being from New York, man, pair of low top Air Force ones. There you go, keeping it, <laughs> keeping it, man. That's it. Yeah, That's it. yeah. No, man. I mean, I tell you what. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to incentivize young people, and and, you, and I know because of my kids. I try to incentivize them in any way, shape, or you know, form. But I think those listening can really wake up to the fact that 
uh, not necessarily <laughs> buying kids J's or, or Yeezys now or whatever, right? But uh, right. I think we could do a good job of uh, incentivizing kids by letting them know where their future is and where it could be headed if they do those things that are, are necessary to have education uh, be kind of at the forefront of their life. Like, you, like your uncle told you, you have a backup plan. Who knows what could happen? I mean, that's that's wisdom right there just to, for, for kids to understand that and young players to understand how important education is, especially the, the day and time that we live in right now. The more you know, the more you can grow as an individual. And like you said, nobody can take that away from you. They can they can take a lot of things away from you, but they can't take away your knowledge and the wisdom that you obtain. And, exactly. uh, and that's really what um, the measure of a, of a human being is. It's not the material things. It's what, you know, it's your mindset. It's what you, yep. you know, those things. So I don't want to get on a soapbox about that, but I could. <laughs> but uh, so, so, Jonathan, I'll ask you also, like, you talked about sacrifice. What did you sacrifice to be where you were at? Like, to get to that point of being, a, you know, a great college player, great high school player, what were the, some of the sacrifices that you had to make? Um, yeah, I think I'll go through the stages. First, as a high school kid, you know, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have fun, man. You know, as far as I didn't go, I didn't go out to parties. I wasn't hanging out late at night. I wasn't doing all those things my friends were doing. I had a curfew, you know, ten o'clock. <laughs> and at that time, and I was mad at my mom. You know, like mom, like you know, all my friends are staying out to midnight or doing, you know, having sleepovers or doing whatever. Yeah. And my mom's like, yeah, well, <laughs> you're not them. <laughs> and, then, and you live when you live under my house, you want to abide by my rules. Yeah. So my mom was real strict in that regard, and you know, like I said, I grew up with my grandmother on the weekends, going to church, going to Bible study. So to be honest about it, those those things were were my priority. They yeah. meant something to me. You know, I valued those things. And um, just to fast forward to my professional career, I mean, I sacrificed my family. I played in Europe for seven years. I was going 10 months out of the year. So, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't get a chance to see my family. I didn't get a chance to see my little sister grow up. You know, I didn't get a chance to see um, all of those life events that a lot of people have, but I had to sacrifice that for my career and for my future. Yeah. And lastly, from a coaching standpoint, I sacrificed a lot because boom, I was at a crossroad, you know, I was thinking about getting into coaching and was, I guess two two years ago now, you know, I just got married and um, I was still training, thinking about Europe, but I'm also networking, trying to figure out the next step. Yeah. I ran into, I ran into Coach Crean at an AAU event because one of my college teammates, Murray Spates, has an AAU team. Yeah. And um, he was playing in Orlando. And then he called me and said, hey, man, Jay Mitch, I'm playing tonight, you know, 11 o'clock, come watch the team play. And I'm like, all right, man. You know, he was one of my groomers. He was one of my groom groomsmen at my wedding. So, really, really dear friend of mine. So I go up to the game. I park in a parking lot and it's packed. So I'm like, well, why so many people are coming to this? You know, eleven o'clock game. But it still happened to be a live period, and um, all the college coaches were, you know, around the gym. So I thought to myself, man, this is a great opportunity to network and to build my brand and to try to build relationships. So I ended up running into Tom Crean, where he just took over Georgia. And for, for people that don't know, Marquette and Florida were my final two coming out of high school. Wow. 
So I've known Coach Cream, you know, for 15 plus years. Yeah. So, you know, we, you know, we top it up, we're sitting talking and I said, Hey coach, man, I'm, I'm thinking about getting into the business. You know, if you ever know anyone looking for a GA or any spot might open up, take my number, you know, just think about me. And then, um, I see his wheels turning. And next thing you know, he offered me a GA, a GA opportunity, graduate assistant to a spot at Georgia. Nice. So, mind you, I just got married. So now I'm going home to my wife saying, okay, now I'm thinking about going to be a graduate assistant, making, you know, pennies on a dollar. Yeah. And I have to move to Georgia. Yeah. So during that time, during that time, she tells me we're expecting our first child. Yeah. <laughs> so now I, I up and leave, move to Georgia. She's still in Florida. So I was going throughout the whole pregnancy. I was, you know, I came home when I could and an unbelievable blessing because you just get the job at Stetson. And, nice. and um, my wife is from the area. Yeah. So for us, it was just like a blessing, you wow. know, and um, I'm forever grateful. We're talking about treating people the right way and never burning a bridge and always, um, you know, save face. He gave me my opportunity to be a full-time assistant just after one short year being a GA. Yeah, no, you're, you're saying a lot right there because, you know, Tom Crean, I was on a Zoom call uh, where he was kind of the keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. And I never heard him kind of, you know, speak at, on that level with just nothing but coaches listening. And, man, he, he, he completely just blew the doors off the place. And it was, and it was one yeah. of those things where if a guy like that you know, you talked about the wheels start turning when you when you when you told him what you told him. You knew he wasn't going to play with that. Like that was something that he really he had his mind made up. I guess at that point. Like, oh, he did. Yeah, the guys, the guys, kind of he borderlines. You know, being a, a genius. I mean, you can just. I mean, I've 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 observed you know, in his time coaching, and I just see somebody who's like, you know, they're they're thinking three steps ahead. Yeah. And uh, and I think that's something that to hear again, to be under that tutelage and, and, and those type of coaching experiences that you've had and being under those type of coaches, uh, man, just really helps you along the way. Now, I want to ask you, kind of, you talked about your pro career, and, uh, and I kind of want to talk about that too because I think it's really important because a lot of, a lot of those listening might be like, well, I want to go pro. I want to see what, what's out there. But uh, what was it like, man, when you first realized that you were a pro in the game you love? Like, what was that like when you were on the court and you're like, all right, I'm a pro, or were you at home, or how, how did that all happen? Yeah, you know, when I graduated 2011 from Rutgers, it was um, a lockout year. So that was tough, you know, because I think I could have had an opportunity to make a summer league roster and to kind of showcase myself. Yeah. yeah. So all, the, all of those opportunities, you know, they weren't there. So next thing you know, you know, I had an agent at that point. Um, he said, you know, it's going to be slow. It's going to be a slow summer. Stay patient. And I'm just sitting back like, man, I just want an opportunity. You know, I'm going to be a pro. And then that call came knocking. I got my first opportunity to play in Spain. And um, I signed that contract. It was like I made it. You know, yeah. I played my whole life since growing up in YMCA, shooting, shooting hoops and playing, playing against my friends to now getting paid to play a child game. Yeah. You know, so 
it was an unbelievable experience to get that first check. You know, to see a di- <laughs> to see a different uh, to be, see see a different culture, different yeah. side of the world. Yeah, it was a uh, it was it was unbelievable, man. And I would say to anyone that has a chance to play in Europe, do it. You know, obviously, if you're not playing in the NBA, <laughs> you know, if you have the chance to, to see the world and to see different cultures and embrace different cultures, I definitely recommend it because I made lifelong friends over there. I still keep in contact with some of my old teammates via Facebook and WhatsApp. And um, I can say if I go to three or four different countries, I have a place to stay. Yeah, you know, there you go. <laughs> that's, how, that's, how, that's how cool it is. And we talk about relationships and building trust with guys, man. It was an unbelievable experience, in my opinion. Yeah, what other what other advice now? You, you, you're kind of going to to you know letting people know hey if you get the chance to do it you know i think it kind of mirrors the, what was going on then as far as the lockout i think it kind of mirrors what's going on right now you know where guys are unable to there's no summer league there's no opportunity to play in front of uh, gms and scouts to kind mm-hmm. of see where you're at at that level against that kind of competition and to put you in certain situations because that's what it's about it's a situational thing it's not necessarily like they can't tell the body of your body of your work the last four or two years or however, however many years in college. They just want to mm-hmm. see you in situations and they want to put pressure on you. So I think that right now and then kind of, you know, go hand in hand. So what other advice would you give that, you know, like the high school player who's thinking about, oh, I want to go to uh, the Australian League or I'm ready to get out of here and just go one year in college or, or a college player that's thinking about going at the pro level. What other advice would you give them right now? Yeah, the advice I would give, you know, young hoopers out there expiring to play professionally is it's a job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's more it's more business like. Yeah. I mean, I've been in I've been I've been in a situation where teammates have gotten cut for not playing well. Wow. You know, they don't they don't they don't care if you have a family at home. They don't care about your bills that need to be paid. If you aren't performing or if you're out living a different lifestyle, they'll know. Yeah. And um and like I said, they're in your own, man. And they won't they won't fulfill your contract. They won't pay you. <laughs> you know, so so yeah, it's 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 tough. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. You know, you, you have to you have to you have to, you know, it's the truth, man, because no one told me yeah. when when I when I when I came out. You don't get um this you know, I played in Greece, man, I didn't get paid for four or five months. Wow. <laughs> you know, and like I said, all the bill collectors Back in America, they don't want to hear you need to pay, man, or the lights, yeah. or the lights turn it off. Yeah, God. the lights don't get turned off. So it just—it's a humbling experience, man. And I think they need to—they need—they need to be more guys letting people know that those things can happen. Yeah, you know, in my opinion, you know, because again, you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah, I didn't—I didn't know that teams didn't pay on time for them getting <laughs> paid on. So you, so you get paid on the first, getting paid on the seventh is considered on time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like, you know, like you said earlier about getting that check, I'm thinking, did that check clear? Because exactly. I, I've got some friends overseas right now, and they talk about that didn't clear, and I got it late. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I hear exactly what you're saying. I think, you know, I guess the bulk of that message as far as for, like, get your priorities in line, get your life together so you can get your money right, you know? I think that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the idea, man, is, like, they're not just looking for, uh, you know, I think every college player, high school player going into college thinks, okay, let's, let's take the 6'8 kid that can dribble. 
I'm a wing. I, I'm a, I could play the stretch four. I could, I could do everything. Well, they may not be looking for that at the pro level. They may right. be, they're looking for a guy who can just play a role. And, and you don't need the ball in your hand. Just go out there, pass the ball, move, move a lot of movement, and pass the ball. And they've got their score. They got their scores already. And so, like you're talking about, you know, just you know, go out there and treat it like a business because that's what it is. At that, at the end of the day, it's entertainment, and then you still can do what you're passionate. Like you said, playing a kids' game. You know, mm-hmm. get paid to play a kids' game. Like that's that's really kind of breaking it down to to its purest form. So. I appreciate you saying those things because I think every listener needs to hear mm-hmm. that. They really do. For sure. And so. Uh, totally agree. Yeah. So kind of after all the attention like you get in college and all the the, uh, the visibility going overseas and kind of feeling yourself, I guess, in a way too, I'm sure, you know, I, I don't think you accomplish things and you become an NBA or pro prospect and not kind of feel yourself because confidence is kind of key to that. Mm-hmm. But did you know your identity? Did you know who you were at that point? Yeah, I did, you know, because my grandmother, like I said, was a was a key role. She always kept me grounded, you know, just starting from playing varsity as an eighth grader. You know, she never let me get she never let me get comfortable. She never let me settle. She always wanted me to do to do more. And I think that that's just my makeup to to this day. Um I just never, you know, I just know who I am. You know, I don't. I don't try to be something that I'm not, because you get exposed that way. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think I learned that at a pretty young age, man. To, to you know, just to know who you are and just be true to yourself, and everything else will take care of itself. I like what you're saying there, man. Be who you are. You know, like there's a lot of fake out there. There's tons mm-hmm. of it. You go on Instagram. You go on social media. There's a lot of fake out there. Tons of it. I mean, yes. You go, you know, guys could go to the swap meet or the flea market and get a bunch of gold chains and throw them on and in front. You know what I mean? Or or rent a rent a rent a Bentley or rent some kind of Ferrari mm-hmm. in front, and then everybody thinks they're the, they're that's it. They're the culture now, and the reality is the culture for I think guys who work hard and want to play at the next level and who want to raise their families right and who want to make an impact and who want to be great husbands, great leaders, whatever, uh, what they do, their culture is just getting to work. Let's get to work. I'll do the best I can and let the chips fall where they may. And like you're talking about opportunities that you've had, take advantage of opportunities. You're not, a, you're not necessarily an opportunist, but when you get as many opportunities because of your hard work, who cares what people call you? Just go get it. You know, at the end of the day, exactly. So, you know, you talk about your grandmother, your uncle, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some of the coaches that you've been under. Like, how was that support system throughout everything? Was that was it always there? You talk, you say, you talk about your grandmother. How was that support, support system so important for you through all those years? Because, you know, it's so, it's so invaluable to me, in my opinion, because I know that the support system that I always had around me cared about me. Yeah. They cared about Jonathan, you know, what it was from making my decision to go to Florida. Um, when I left Florida, helping me find a school that they knew where I can thrive academically, socially, and from a basketball standpoint. Know that they cared about my best interest just as much as I did. Yeah. And they had, and they cared about what's best for me and my future. So I think support system is huge because 
I mean, you need someone to fall back on. You can't keep everything. You can't keep the weight of your world on your shoulders. Yeah. You know, we're human. We're human, right? You know, human nature is you want to have that wall up. Yeah. You know, you want you want to be protected. You want to be that tough guy. Yeah. But you know, the older I get, man, I realize, man, it's okay to cry being yeah. a man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> men, 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 real men cry. Yep. You know, just something so simple as that. But you know, growing up in New York, you want to be tough. You don't want to show emotion, but the support system and the people that are around you that love you, they'll let you know that it's okay, man. Because at the end of the day, they care about you for who you are, not not what you've done, not how much money you made or what kind of job you have, what kind of car you drive. They just they, they genuinely care about you, the person. Yeah, now you got a baby girl too, so you can't be too tough either. Yeah, uh, yeah. Girls, yeah. I have four daughters, so girls soften you up, man, which is good. Because there's this, there's that part of us that really needs to slow down, and you know they help us to not be always be in competitive mode. We can be no in question. calm and peace and all that. So yeah, I like what you said. <laughs> Real men cry. Like there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. I think that's uh, that speaks to a whole other issue of mental health and emotional health mm-hmm. and spiritual health. And so yeah, I think you know you're on the right track and having a support system. It is so key to all that, and I think that's what a lot of young people are lacking nowadays is a real support system, yeah. or, or they don't even realize they have one because, like you talked about earlier, they don't ask. They don't ask for help, and so I think they don't even know they have a support system. So I think it's just really important to kind of get that out there. Is like I agree. If you're, if you're out there and you need help and you need somebody to reach out, you know, just maybe you just need somebody to hold you and say everything's going to be all right. You know what I mean? Like, just, you know, ask somebody some questions and they'll, somebody you trust, and they'll figure it out. Then they'll know where to go with that. And so I think that's so important. So I really appreciate you bringing that up, man. I really do. Now, my last question is uh, it's kind of built around, you know, kind of going back, thinking about everything you've, you've experienced as a player. And then now kind of moving forward, now as a leader of men and as a coach and a college coach at that, can you truly look back and feel that your future is brighter than your past? Without question. I think my future is brighter than my past just simply because I'm helping the next generation. Yeah, I'm helping instill core values and help developing kids and the men. Yeah. So I think um, I'm impacting the next wave, the next generation, as far as teaching them how to be a man, teaching them, you know, it's okay to fall in love, get married, have a family, be the head of your household. Because, you know, a lot of kids, man, come from single-family homes. They don't have a male figure in their life. Yeah. So they don't know. You know, they didn't grow up seeing a traditional family or, you know, having that father figure in the house all the time. So I think, and me being one of them, and I think me just trying to give back in that regard and be the living example because, I'm only 32. You know, I'm not far removed from these guys. Yeah. So, in my opinion, I can still relate to them. You know, from the standpoint of, I know, I know where you, I know where you've been. I know where you're trying to go. I've been there. Let me help you. Yeah. You know, so I think from that standpoint of my future being brighter than my past, I hope and pray each and every day that my guys see me as that big brother and that role model that one day maybe they can um, learn something from me and bring it to their family. Jay Mitch, I appreciate it, man. I really do appreciate your time, your story, your journey. 
your perspective. And then I hope that you know that you're appreciated, man. And so thank you for coming on and spending some time with us. Mike, man, I appreciate you having me on tonight. I just hope that maybe I can help that one person um, that kind of grew up in a similar situation or experienced some of the things that I have. And hopefully it'll give them some clarity and help them um, be the best person they can be. For sure. Thank you.